morning. My name is Chris Emmons. I'm the Ross Campus Pastor here. I'm Kat's friend, she mentioned. Um, she likes having friends. That's one of me. Um, hey, if you were here at the beginning of service, uh, I just want to say you saw Darren serenade his wife. Um, yeah, Valentine's Day is coming up, guys. Don't forget, go to Walmart, get your wife something special that they sell at Walmart. Um, here's what I can say to you. If you're any other guys, guys, you're in the room. Hey, I'm a guy. You can tell. Um, I'm a guy. I'm here. Like, if your wives or spouse, you know, your spouse or your, or your girlfriend or your fiance is here with you, I am really sorry we did that to you because he has basically ruined your chances of doing anything special for your significant other to, uh, on Valentine's Day. Like, seriously, the $4 Meyer card I bought my wife is not going to compare to the serenading that happened. Good news is Pam's serving in the uh, elementary this morning. <laughs> Don't anybody tell her that happened, okay? Um, she'd be like, hey, what happened? Oh, it was really boring. Nah, he, did, he was really mean. Uh, he ruined it for us. So thank you, Darren, wherever you are, for ruining our ability to compete with that, okay? Because here at White Oak, we apparently set the bar high. Um, and that's what we're actually hoping to do in this series that we've been in, setting the bar high, right? Uh, we're setting the bar high for how we're caring for and we're loving other people. That's what we've been talking about in this one another series. We want you as believers to be activated to love others, to care for others well, because the truth is the world around us, that's not what they teach us. They don't teach us to care and love for others well. Our culture tells us that we should, be an, we should worship at the idol of self, right? I'm going to tell you, I believe that we are the most self-obsessed culture that has ever lived. That's what I think. And yet we are also, hear me, the unhappiest culture that's ever lived. There's actually a poll that they do. They've been doing it for almost 50 years, okay? They've been doing this poll every year to ask Americans, okay, just this context, right, how happy they are. How happy are you with your life? And in 2022, they did this poll, and they found that only about 38% of people living in America are happy with their life, 38%. Now, this is down from pre-COVID, hear me, pre-COVID, it was around 50%, okay? So it's come down significantly. And they even said that, like, last year, we had a record high for the number of people who said, I'm just not happy with my life at all. I think that comes from a place, I'm going to say, from self-centered living, focusing in on ourselves. And so today, we're going to continue this series as we talk about one anothering, and we talk about honor one another. Honor one another. To honor one another really means to put other people ahead of ourselves, to put ourselves in the lowest place, that we should work to outdo each other in how we honor others, right? We should lead, we should love and honor with a sincere heart, not out of a place of being hypocritical, but just because we actually care about other people first. We should be diligent and enthusiastic with that because that actually points people, that attracts people to us, and as a result, that points them to who Jesus is. And so today's big idea is this, honor others ahead of yourself. Honor others ahead of yourself. Today we're going to read a passage from the book of Romans. So if you want to turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12, that would be great. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, pull that out. 
Um, if you don't have a Bible, listen, that's okay. We're going to put the words on the screen here as I'm reading through them here in just a minute. But I want you to know if you don't have a Bible and you would like to have one, we've got them available for you at the hub there in the center of the lobby. You go out and talk to one of those friendly faces out there at the hub, they will give you a Bible, okay? And while you're getting there, while you're turning to Romans chapter 12, let me just talk to you a little bit about this book of the Bible. Now, it's actually a letter that was written by a guy named the Apostle Paul. And if you don't know who that is, that's okay. Paul was somebody who, who knew, who didn't know Jesus personally, didn't interact with Jesus personally, but he had an interaction with the Spirit of Jesus on the road that changed his life. And so as a result, he, he changed who he was. He became a disciple of Jesus, okay? And he, he, and he went out and he wrote, he cared for churches, he planted churches, and he wrote these letters to many of the other churches of the time. And so this one was a letter he wrote to the church in Rome. And in this letter, he is sharing with people this deep love that God has for each of us. And he does this first by showing people that we are all wretched, terrible sinners, okay? And you're like, is that a love letter? That doesn't sound like a love letter to me. Like, if you give your wife a, a Valentine's Day card that says you're an awful person, it's probably not going to go well. <laughs> Just saying. But he does this for a reason, he takes that, right? He takes that darkness and that shame and that guilt, and he uncovers this profound and amazing truth, is that Jesus wiped all of that away. Jesus, who loved us so much, he chose to come and be one of us, to be with us, and he chose to die for us, to take our sin, bear that on the cross, to forgive that, to make a way where we could defeat death. And, and that's the crux of Romans, right? He's, he's trying to remind them of this. Paul's saying, listen, you are terrible, but God still loves you. God loves you so much. And so this ought to make you feel something amazing, no matter who you are, right? You know that you've got troubles and pain and struggles in life, but we have a king, Jesus, who's willing to take all of that guilt and all of that shame, and he's willing to take that on the cross for us. That's powerful stuff. So we're going to read, just before this passage that we're about to read in Romans chapter 12, Paul has just told the Roman church that we are supposed to be transformed because of this, right? Transformed by the ruin of the mind. He says that as believers, we're given different gifts, but we are part of one body. And so Paul talks about how we need to be unified. If you've been here throughout this series, you might have heard that message before. Uh, unification. Paul was really big on unification. We need to be one body, one group of people. He saw that church struggling to get along, right? He saw them having different views on how to do things, different traditions, different views on who's the best churchgoer, who's the least, right? Like who's, who's better than who? And so Paul is saying, that's not what we're here to do. Like we need to resist all of this, be transformed in your thinking. Let's pick this up in, verse, in chapter 12 and verse 9, look at what he says. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The transformation that we're experiencing in our hearts, minds, and our relationships, right? It is explained in that series of teachings here that Paul just says, right? Now, what he's done, he set this up really well. He's, he's explained this deep love of Jesus for all of us, right? We talked about that, how Jesus loves us so much. And now he's shifting from, hey, because of that, then your faith should move in a certain way. Your faith should cause you to do certain things. This is that transforming of the mind that he's talking about. And he's pointing out to these Christians that they are a family, that we are a family together. And so as a result, he's saying we should honor our family, honor others ahead of yourself. And so Paul shows us, and honoring might be difficult to really understand, so Paul shows us a little bit of what honoring looks like. What does honoring look like? It's a, what does putting others above yourself look like? How do you do that? So let's look at some of the things he shares in this passage. The first one is this, share with those in need. Share with those people who are in need. He's saying give generously. Paul's saying give generously of your time, your talent. Yeah, even your money, right? Paul says give generously. Because we're given so much. Paul talked about it. We're given so much. We are given grace and love and forgiveness beyond anything that we could ever earn or anything that we could ever measure up to. And so what Jesus says is, you, you haven't earned this, but I've taken that debt and wiped it away. And as a, result, as a result, what this should do is it should drive us to do something that we should be generous with our grace. We should be generous with our love. We should be forgiving God gives us so much, and he asks us to turn around and give that same about out. Give to those who are in need, and people are in need of love and care as much as they are financial resources, okay? Second thing he says is practice hospitality. Well, there's something else he talks about, practice hospitality. I think this is a lost one on many of us. Some of us are really good at it. I am not. I'm just being truthful with you. Like, if you come to my house, I'm like, what are you doing here? Right? Like, huh? Yeah. Like, and that's, that's fair. My wife's really good at it. That's not one of my greatest talents. We have a society have a little bit. We've lost that skill a little bit of how to be hospitable to each other. We're called, right? We are called to welcome people into our homes to give each other an experience that is warm and fuzzy. I know this feels like, whoa, this, I'm not a hotel. But Peter knew this. He knew Jesus. He knew this. Peter, who was someone who knew Jesus personally, right? He wrote this in, in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. He said, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's the key in there, without grumbling, Right? Well, I, I can be hospitable, but oh, man, I got to clean my house. Like, it, it's the truth, though. Like, that is what he says. Like, offer hospitality without grumbling. This is why at White Oak, we want this to be a welcoming place. We want you to walk in the doors and feel like you're home. That's why we create the environments we do. We want you to feel like you're home. And you're always welcome here. Third thing Paul talks about is bless people who hate you. That's a tough one, right? And Paul has said this in other places throughout letters that he wrote to other churches. And he said that, listen, there are going to be times when people hate you and they put you down, they don't care for you. 
And what you're going to want to do is return that favor. But instead, he challenges us to bring blessings upon those people. Treat them with kindness. Be gentle with them. Uh, This one's hard. I've I've had people in my life that don't like me. That's the truth. And, And I probably will have people in the future that don't for some reason. And they've made it abundantly clear to me they don't like me. Okay? I like to laugh. That's good. Somebody back there is like, yeah, they have. Um, <laughs> and, and the truth is, is I've been tempted, and in my younger years, hear me, I, I've given into that, that temptation to not like them either, right, to, to return the favor. That's an immature response. It is. Hate the person who hates you. That's what we, we, we culture will tell us. And I'm still growing up here. I'm still growing up here in this way. This goes back to Jesus, though. Look at this. Let me talk about one of the most hated people to live during his time, Jesus. They hated him. The Romans and the Jewish elite, they wanted him dead. They hung him on a cross. And as he hung there waiting to die, did he curse them? No. He said, Father, forgive them. That's what he said. Next thing Paul talks about is you should share in moments of joy and grief. Share in moments of joy and grief. To honor someone, you share in the moments that they have of joy and grief. Paul's pointing out because it shows this about you should be with them in the ups and downs of life. When someone has a success, we shouldn't be jealous. We shouldn't be like, oh man, I wish they wouldn't have done that. We should applaud that win. Sports has ruined this for us. I'm telling you. It has ruined us for us. We are probably a little, some of us are happy. Hey, he's got a Kansas City jersey on. So do you. Look at you. Some of us are cranky today. Okay? And that's the truth. But sports has ruined this for us. We feel this overwhelming need to boo the teams we don't like. Shoot. We boo them even when we aren't playing them. Right? I've done this myself. I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. I do not like UK. Stop asking me if I do. As a matter of fact, I boo them. I've booed them for years. I'm loving this season, right? The truth is, it's, it's terrible. Chicago Cubs don't like them, don't want to cheer for the Cubs, won't go to a Reds game if the Cubs are playing, okay? I shouldn't want to hate those teams, but sports has created that. This is where I need to grow up. We created this environment of like, oh, boo against those people who are against, who don't like the same things we like. When someone gives birth, we celebrate new life. Jesus celebrated with people, right? He attended wedding feasts. Hey, when they ran out of wine at a wedding, he made some more. And that's, Jesus, that's not giving you license to go out and and get drunk and drink more, okay? He's just, Jesus understood the importance of celebrating the moments of joy. We also mourn with people who mourn. We come alongside people who've lost a family member, right? When a marriage ends, we don't tell them what they did wrong or push them down. We put our arms around them and hold them up. We don't celebrate tragedy ever. To honor someone, you properly have joy and sorrow when they experience those same feelings. Jesus did this. 
When his friend Lazarus died, he was dead and in the grave, and Jesus came, and and he knew that he was about to resurrect Lazarus. It says he wept. Why did he do that? He knew what he was about to do. He wept because his friends around him were grieving, and he felt that grief. He mourned with them. The last thing that that Paul talked about that I'm going to talk to you about today is do not be proud. That's the biggest place where we honor other people. Pride gets in the way of us ever honoring other people. Really, it does. We see ourselves as over people. Our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, even our family, right? We point out their faults. We say, well, I'm better than that. We compare their situation to our own, and we stand in judgment of where they, where they stand in the pecking order of life. We even rank sins, right? We say, hey, lying isn't as bad as murder. Or sexual sin is worse than greed. Or looking at pornography is not actually like the same as cheating on my wife or my husband. I can hate other people as long as I don't tell them about it, like that person. We see ourselves as above others for so many reasons. They don't have nice stuff. They don't live in a big house. They don't have a nice car. They don't vote like I do. They don't dress like I do. They don't believe the things that I believe. I'm better than them. And so as a result, we dishonor them in our minds. God is calling us to change that thinking. Jesus was and is a king, right? He sits on a throne in heaven. He was there in the beginning. He was there when it was all created. He knows what we have. And the reality is that, that even, though, even though culture tells us to weigh our mistakes right on a scale of not so bad to worse, Jesus sees it all and he says it's all sin, every bit of it. We're all the same. And he could have sat there and said, you know what, I'm fed up with this. I'm done. I'm done with them. They can't meet up to where I want to be, where I want them to be. Yeah, he didn't. He came down. He came down, became one of us. He didn't count himself above us. He wanted to be with us, and he put our salvation ahead of all other things. Honor others ahead of yourself. When Jesus was crucified, there were two criminals, also crucified on each side of him. You can find this in Luke chapter 23. I'm going to read it here to you. It starts in verse 29. And, and these two guys, were, these two criminals were dying next to him. And when they were doing this, they have this profound interaction. And I want to read it to you. It's in Luke, Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I have trouble getting through that. Because I see two honoring moments happening. 
First, this guy honors Jesus with his defense. The first guy's like, do what helps me, right? Get me out of here. Save me. And, but this second guy, he recognizes. He says, you know what? I know you're the Messiah. I know it. He sees the compassion, the peace that Jesus is showing in this moment. He knows what they're doing is killing a king. And this guy knows that he can't do anything at this point to make up for his sins. He's about to die. So he honors Jesus with his words. He simply says, Jesus, just don't forget me. You're the king. Just remember me if you would. And that's enough for me. Man, that breaks me down. How often do you honor Jesus like that? Do you bow down and just say, Jesus, I know you're king. I love you so much. This guy would, I'm telling you, I believe it. If this guy would have had a chance to follow Jesus from this point forward, and his, he would have done it. He would have, had, he would have done it for the rest of his life. And he technically did. <laughs> he would have done all this stuff because he truly got what was happening. He knew Jesus was the king, the Messiah. But then Jesus honors this guy. He puts someone else ahead, even in his last moments. I love that line. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus says, you are forgiven. You will live with me. In a moment where Jesus could have focused on his own needs, that would have been okay. On his own death, he stopped and put someone else before himself. And for that reason, folks, if we use Jesus as our example, we should be looking to put aside our own distractions, our own struggles, our own pain, our agendas, and put other people first. Honor others ahead of yourself. I'm going to tell you, it, it's hard sometimes to honor people who are, we see as dishonorable, right? Someone has hurt us, someone's done something we don't like, something bad, we say they're not worth honoring. Yet Jesus honored all of us, even in the midst of our most terrible place. One place where I truly believe it's most difficult to honor people is in the marriage relationship. It is hard. That's unfortunate because the marriage is the example of Jesus' love for the church. This relationship was ordained by God between a man and a woman to be the most holy and God-honoring relationship in this world. We're brought together to be a shining example of the love of Jesus. No pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard because we've been sold a lie of love and sex and marriage. We've been told that marriage is about being happy and living out our romantic fantasies. But it's just not the case. We're called to do the same things we just talked about. We're called to honor our spouse above other selves. Share with them affection, love, time. Treat them well and create a hospitable home. Instead of trying to repay anger or pain with more anger and pain, we should look to mend fences. We should share in the moments of joy and grief. And we should put their needs above our own. And we struggle to do that. I know I don't do all these as well either. I'm just, it's just truthful. And so today I want to invite up a couple friends of mine, mine, Merle and Linda Hutchinson. 
they run a ministry called Rock Solid Families. And Rock Solid Families provides faith-based life coaching to individuals, to couples, and families. And they do premarital counseling but they also, for engaged couples, but they do marriage coaching for struggling ones. They help with grief support for widows or widowers. They do practical tools for parents. I mean, all kinds of things you can think of from a family dynamic. Merle and Linda help with that, okay? And they're here to kind of coach in that way. And they're here to help families. And so I wanted to bring them up today and just have them have a quick moment. I want to ask you some thoughts about marriage. I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up. Darren, again, made it hard on us. But, um, but this is a time of season where we think about these kind of relationships more. And so we just want to talk a little bit on your thoughts of marriage. So I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely glad you guys are here. And so first question I have for you two is, what are some of the typical challenges that you see marriages struggling with today? Well, Chris, thanks for inviting Linda and I to be out here. And, you know, you couldn't have not been more on the spot today uh, with just your message. And, you know, there's lots of different things that come into our office with families and all that. But when we're actually dealing with marriage, uh, at the core of the marriage is really where your message was today, and that is honoring each other. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest things that we see when a marriage is struggling is a trust breakdown. Mm -hmm. And it can be a big deal, like an infidelity that right away rocks the world. But it can be just a little bit each day where you didn't quite do what you said you were going to do. You said you're going to be home at 5.30. You didn't come home till 10, till 6. And you minimize that in your mind. But over the course of time, the trust starts to wane. And so as you were saying, like, there's really only one reason for divorce, and it's selfishness. Mm -hmm. I'm in this for myself. And... The idea here that you're talking about is empathy. And so within a marriage, it's hard, you know, because I'm busy. I want to take care of my own stuff. I want to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. But learning to look through your spouse's eyes and understand their heart, that's, that's part of our job, like, to try yeah. to figure that out. And it's, we're all a work in progress with yeah. that. Yeah. Well, so I've heard you guys or, or read even some of your stuff online that you talk about like a child-centered home. Uh, that's a big one. I know that that could be true for my house sometimes. And so tell, kind of share with everybody else a little bit about what is that? What does that look like? I'll let you have that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we were at Coring Campus last mm -hmm, week, mm -hmm. and uh, there were a lot of elbows being done in this one because, ladies, we are guilty. We are guilty of putting our children above our marriage, above even ourselves, and really prioritizing it above God, mm. and, and that's not God's design, mm -hmm. and it sounds good, it sounds wonderful to be, you know, putting your child in first priority, mm. but it's not healthy for them, that's where we're getting a lot of entitlement of our children now, mm. becoming adults, and it's also where the erosion of the marriage is coming from, because mm. of that child-centeredness that we've elevated the child somewhat mm. below God, but mm. definitely above our spouse, and that yeah. really is... Uh, eroding the marriage. Hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, uh, you guys have also talked about, referenced the slow fade in marriage. So I guess share a little bit about what that is and kind of how some of the things you see with that yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if many of you years ago watched a movie called Fireproof. Mm. And there was actually a song in there called Slow Fade. And it is the erosion of that trust. It is that breakdown of the communication. It is that selfishness mm -hmm. that we talked about, that unforgiveness. I know forgiveness was um, forgive one another last mm -hmm. week. And we hold on to that grudge, that bitterness, mm -hmm. and it just slowly erodes the complacency 
Um, it's definitely um, a cancer in our marriage. And so we see couples, as Merle will tell you, not just five, 10 years in, but 25, 30, 50 years that are married. And it's, uh, it's sad. It's yeah. sad because it's a slow drip, as you said. Yeah. You have anything to add there? Are you good? No, no. I think she nailed it. I don't yeah. know. Okay. It's a good man. We have an um, <laughs> Smart. Valentine's. Now you don't have to get a Valentine's right. card. You're good. Um, they save $4. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They got them for $2 there, too. Um, you can get double. So, I, yeah, I can talk to you guys up here forever. Uh, these guys want to eventually get out of here, though. And so, again, I, I, do, I do love you guys being up here. I appreciate that. I want to ask one more thing. What is one thing that you guys would recommend a couple do that could help them now? Just one? You just well, one? you can say more. So, of you. So, uh, so much of this, guys, as we just talked about before, is the idea of like the slow fade, mm-hmm. okay? Most of us think we communicate in our marriages. Hey, babe, how you doing? What's going on? All these kinds of things. But if we're truly going to communicate, this one thing is what Linda and I have found. This is the thing that couples come back to us on a regular basis and say, now that we're doing this. And that is a daily communication. We call it a check-in. We call it the 10-minute check-in. But it is a conversation where you're not talking about just what you did but you're learning how to read the heart of each other. Mm. It's a practice in empathy, okay? And you can't ask a man, dude, how you feeling? Because they'll look at you like you're really weird. <laughs> but you can ask a man, hey, how you doing? And if you ask a man that question, wives, he'll start rattling on with how he's doing. And in that, we always talk about, look, read between the eyes and the belly, because right in the center is the heart. And if you can actually start to put your finger on the pulse of the heart, you can actually start to see how your spouse is doing. And if you do a daily check-in with that, like, I know how my partner's doing now. Remember, the two became one, and that means that we start to hold each other's heart rather than step on each other's heart. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why I would step on somebody else's heart is because I'm just worried about my own. Mm -hmm. right? And so that daily check-in where you actually sit down and you say, how are you doing today? What's going on? And you spend just time communicating eye to eye, heart to heart. That is, and, and it's, it's like brushing your teeth, right? Nothing, mm-hmm. ex, nothing exciting about it. <laughs> but it's daily maintenance that allows yeah. you to not drift, as yeah. Linda was talking about with slow fade. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys again for being here today. Um, Merle and Linda will be out in the lobby. They have a table set up out there this morning. Um, they would love to meet you. They would love to meet you. Listen, they've got lots of different options opportunities here to kind of strengthen your marriage, to help marriages that are struggling a little bit. Uh, They've just got a lot of resources. So again, I would encourage you guys, uh, no matter what's going on in your marriage, stop by and talk to them. They'd love to talk to you this morning, love to take advantage of them. Let's give it up for them for being here this morning. Thank you guys for being here. Just as we've done throughout this series, I just want to remind you, we have the the one another challenge cards that are in the back of the room here, because we want you guys to be going out and one anothering every week. If you haven't been a part of that, pick up one of these envelopes or back on the communion table. They've got inside of them a card that will give you an action that you can do this week to one another in a way that will maybe change your life, maybe change somebody else's life, but it most certainly will show care and love to other people this week. And so it's not a huge thing. Sometimes it's it's just something simple, but I would encourage you to do that. If you're picking one of those up, remember, you're committing to doing that throughout the week, and make sure you share those stories with us. 
um, share the stories of how that's one another and going. We want to hear how, how God is moving in your life. Because you need to be aware of the interactions that you have in this life. Every encounter that Jesus shared with someone in Scripture was sincere. It was a sincere thing. People who asked for his help, Jesus honored them. Those who no one honored, right? The people who were the lowest, right? The poor, the, the lame, the widow, those people who, who no one cared for at the time, Jesus lifted them up. He honored them. Listen, we may think that there are people who are dishonorable in our life. Here's the truth. When God, if God looked at us in a real way, we're all dishonored. We're all dishonorable people. We've all made mistakes. We've let sin into our lives. Yet Jesus looks at us and he doesn't see that. He sees us as sons and daughters and he wants to honor us above himself. He made a way for us to defeat death just like he did. He did this to show us the way. We need to honor others by putting them before ourselves. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you that you went to the cross, that you died for us. You sent your son, Jesus, into this world, became one of us, and, and, and you made a way for us to have eternal life. We just want to lift you up, Lord. We want to honor you above ourselves. But, Lord, we want to remember that just like we honor you, that we should be putting others ahead of us, that we should be loving and caring for people. Lord, I pray for the marriages in this room this week. I pray that like whatever struggles they're dealing with, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom to seek help, the wisdom to try to grow in their, in their relationship with each other, but more importantly, grow in how they honor each other, Lord, grow in how they put other, their, their spouse ahead of themselves. Thank you for Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen. communion together right now as a family so if you need to grab it it is in the back on one of the tables we invite all followers of jesus to do this right now and just thinking about chris's message uh, remembering that um that we call uh, upon the power of god uh to transform our lives we call on the power of god to um to change us when we need to be changed uh, we we ask the holy spirit to do these things and so uh, right now uh if you take the bread and um and just hold it and go ahead and take that. And let's remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and what it means for our lives. Jesus, thank you for your death, for your sacrifice. Thank you for forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which were promised. Go ahead and take the juice right now. Take that together. Remember his blood that was shed for you, for your sins, and your faith in Jesus Christ, and how transformative that is. And let's call upon his name in this moment for us to grow, grow closer to him and our relationship with him so that we see uh, just the, his work, his fingerprint on our lives.
praise, church. Come on. Let's give him praise. Come on. Fill this place, Jesus. Speak your name. Amen. You can be seated. Yeah, just a few more things that I want to remind you about as you're heading out this morning. Uh, hey, in two weeks, we've got Discover White Oak coming up on February 26th. It happens after our second service here on a Sunday. So what Discover White Oak is, if you're new around here or you're newer to White Oak, you've never been to one of these Discover White Oaks, you want to learn more about what we do here, some of the ministries we offer, meet some of the staff. We would love to meet you guys, meet, kind of introduce ourselves, get to know you a little bit. And we give you lunch. Hey, free lunch, right? I, I, I always take some of that. Um, and so we want you to be here. We want to meet you. So you can register to attend Discover White Oak by going to thewocc.com. Also, if you take a picture of the QR codes on the back of the chairs, uh, out in the lobbies, here on the screen, there's a place there on that page where you can click to sign up for Discover White Oak. And so we want you to be there. Bring Your whole family's invited. We, we would love for you to be there. Uh, meet some of the staff, hang out with us, have a good day, good time after church here. So February 26th, sign up to be a part of that. I hope to get to see some of you guys there. I love meeting new people. Um, just a few other reminders. Hey, again, Merle and Linda will be out in the lobby. They would love to talk with you. Rock Solid Families is out there. I'd also remind you that we also have Weekend to Remember coming up next weekend. Um, that's a marriage retreat that we have available for you. They have a table out in the lobby as well. Stop by there. If you don't remember, White Oak is actually giving away two of these registrations for, a cup, for two different couples here at Ross, specifically. They're giving two away here. So there's a way to register for that out in the lobby. Today's the last day. You have to register today by 5 o'clock if you want to be entered in to win that registration. That's a $350 value, okay? So again, make sure you are taking advantage of these resources that we have, that we want marriages to be strong, right? We're looking at ways to, to strengthen those marriages, so... Uh, take advantage of them, okay? If it's your first time with us, welcome. Glad you're here. Stop by the hub out in the lobby. We love, we got friendly faces out there. Love to meet you. We got a little gift as a way of saying thanks for being here. Um, so make sure you stop by there and talk to them. They'd love to talk to you today. Finally, if you need prayer for anything going on in your life, myself, some of the prayer team will be down front here. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Come down and see us afterwards. And we got two people, three people getting baptized in second service. We're excited about that. Yeah. Um, so, so be praying for them. That's going to be an amazing time this morning as we celebrate baptism at 1030. Guys, have a great Sunday. Enjoy Super Bowl. If you're going to watch it, I don't know what you're planning to do there. Don't, don't be mad, but have a great Sunday. <laughs>